the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. As this is a church that exists to help people just like you, find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Called, Here Am I, Send Me. Based on Isaiah chapter 6, Pastor Sean Azaro reminds you that we are all called to share God's love, to share the hope of redemption, and to carry the message of reconciliation. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part two of the message of Father's Heart. Pastor Sean is teaching from Isaiah 6 and Luke chapter 15. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. We get fired up about how he's wired us and what he's going to have me do. We envision ourselves doing that, and it's, it's exciting. The thing is, we better first remember God's call is always rooted in his heart for people. First, we have to be about him, then about those who he's sending us to. And then we can think about our place in all of that. I think sometimes we get the cart ahead of the horse, and we start getting all fired up on what we're going to do, and what it's going to look like, and how we're going to get prepared, and we miss the big idea that it's all about the Father's heart. That's why I've, I've entitled this message, A Father's Heart. We forget that the one who's calling us is a father who loves people, and he wants us to minister from that point. You see, God sees every need. God hears every single cry, and his answer is to send us. His answer to the world is to fill a people with his spirit and to send those people into the world, and we better remember our call is always rooted in God's heart for people. A couple things that Paul's pointing out to us in the Second Corinthians passage that are really important. We're called to share God's heart of love. His heart for people is the heart of love. We are called fundamentally to share his heart of love. Verse 14 said, Christ's love compels us. God loves people. Have you experienced the love of God in your life? I mean, think about that. God's love changed my life. I have seen God's love over and over in my salvation, in, in his provision, his protection. I've seen it when he's been there for me at different times, in his calling, in my family. I've seen God's love over and over and over again. But you've got to understand, he doesn't just love the people in this room. God's love, his crazy love, is for every single first person on the face of the planet. And he loves them passionately. And Jesus gave his life for them. I think there's a reason, okay, why this verse is maybe the most quoted or taught verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's not just God loved the church, not just God loved the believers. God loves the whole world a lot. People are God's highest priority. They're the thing that he sent Jesus to give his life for. 
And God sent us to share his heart of love. And I want to say something. That message, heart of love, telling is good, showing is better. I mean, we all understand that, right? What good does it do? And I think sometimes in the church we've gotten caught up in this. What good does it do if I'm sharing this message, oh, God loves you, God cares, God loves you, but they can't see his love in me. And what's obvious is I don't care. How messed up is that? You know, the old saying is that, well, what you're doing is screaming so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Well, that, you know, I don't think that's anywhere more true than if the body of Christ is sharing the love of God, we're putting up posters with the love of God, we got billboards that talk about the love of God, but if we don't embody and live the love of God, if they can't see that love in us. Look at Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Notice the word demonstrates. God didn't just yell from heaven, hey, I love you guys a lot, that's awesome, but you're sinners, so if you ever make it up here, though, that's awesome, I'll leave the light on. Uh, Tom Dead of Motel 6, right? We'll leave the light on. No, he didn't do that. He came down here, he sent Jesus, and he demonstrated his love. Love with skin on it. And you understand that's what he wants from us, to be love, his love, with skin on. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says this, let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do in church be done in love. Oh, wait a minute, that's not what it says. Let all that you do right after you've done your devotions and in that 20-minute period where you're still mindful and you're kind of doing good. Let all that you do to the people you like and who are nice to you be done in love. No, it just says let all that you do. Let all that you do at work. Let all that you do in the neighborhood. Let all you do do in your family be done in love. And it's challenging and it was meant to be. It's challenging and it was meant to be. But see, what good does it do to tell of God's love if we demonstrate the opposite? See, the deal is we have been given the ministry of love. You want to know what you're calling is about, your calling will fundamentally be about God's heart for people, which is a heart of love. Your calling will be about love. I don't care what he calls you to do. If Some of you probably in this room are called to do what I'm doing, to share the word of God, to publicly preach, and it's going to be about the love of God. Or some of you are called to minister to children. It's going to be about the love of God. Some of you are called to missions, foreign missions, the love of God. Some of you are called to right, right where you're working to minister to the people at your work, love of God. Group leaders, community group leaders, love of God. It's all going to be about the love of God. That's it. That's where it's going to start. And it can have different manifestations, different forms. As many different people in this room as there are, many people listening online, radio, wherever you're listening, as many people as there are, there are going to be different expressions, but there's kind of going to be one thing. We are going to, our calling is to embody and communicate and demonstrate the love of Jesus to a world desperately in need. Now, the ministry of love, which is kind of what we're all called to, I mean, it's easy to say. It's much more difficult to actually carry out because, see, love takes time, doesn't it? Love takes time, and that's my hang-up because I don't have time. I mean, I'm not saying I don't have time for you. It's the others. I have time for you, just not everyone around you. I mean, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm, one of the things that, that we do, we, we are so insanely busy. And really, to show love does take time. It means 
I have to slow down. I have to quit doing something that I notoriously do, and so do you. Pack our schedules too full. And I know this because I will ask you, how are you doing? And you know what your answer is. Or, how's it going? Or, how have you been? Oh, busy. I've told you before, why do you all of a sudden sound out of breath? You're, we've been sitting here for 10 minutes. Nobody, we, didn't run, we didn't just run around the amphitheater, okay? How, how, how you been? Oh, busy. Oh, God. You okay? You need some oxygen? Am I going to need to, you know, give you a CPR here? Seriously, we, it's, like, it's like an ethic. We have the ethic of busyness. So even if, when someone asks me, I have to say I'm busy, and I better sound and feel busy. How you doing? Oh, busy. Folks, that's not good. Hurry and busyness are not good. They are not our friends if we are going to carry out the ministry of love. And, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I told my wife this morning, the Lord's been talking to me about this, and it's not rocket science. It's easy to figure out. It's really hard to do. Leaving space. Intentionally saying, I'm not going to pack my schedule so full. And we, we, we're next level when it comes to schedule, folks, aren't we? I mean, we've got the, the tech to back it up. I mean, we can do scheduling. And I'm just saying, if we recognize this ministry of love, we've got to have time. I've got to be able to take a moment with that person, I, the guy I run into at the Valero station. I've got to be able to, if I see or sense that the person just needs a kind word, just needs a little time, needs someone to, to listen, I better have space. And I'm not sitting here saying, oh, schedules are bad. Don't go, you know, tweet. Pastor Sean said schedules are bad, so I don't have one anymore. Yay! Yeah, no, I didn't say that. I'm just saying packing them them so full that we never have time for anyone. That is, that's a problem. Not only does the ministry of love take time, it it takes focusing on the other. And that's another hang-up, see, because I'm pretty preoccupied with my stuff and myself and what i got to accomplish and what I want to achieve. Don't we? That's kind of the focus. You know, it, the ministry of love requires that if I'm having a meeting, I know I've got a list of things I want to accomplish and what I want this to ha- happen. The ministry of love requires kind of being willing to push that aside and be about the other, someone else who's in the room, and, and focus on them and care about what they're going through. And if that's a customer at your business, it means, okay, right now the ministry of love says this person is more important than my commission or my sale, or whatever. And you're like, well, but you don't know my boss. (laughs) I do know your boss, your real boss. And to him, that person is more important. And he'll take care of you. He'll make sure you have what you need. That's what faith is all about. He does. But it it takes being able to do that, to, to kind of take my eyes off of my agenda, not only my schedule, but now my agenda, and and say, okay, it's got to be about this other person. Love always costs something. Even if it's just time, that's a cost. But often it costs more. Sacrifice, investment, relationships, people. It, it, it costs. But let me tell you, love is powerful. And it melts hard hearts. Hearts that are hardened, love melts them. See, there are, if people have a hungry heart and they're thirsty and God's been speaking to them and they're, they're, they're curious, and we call that person a seeker, they're seeking something sermons will make a difference. It will help. But if they don't, and they're not, they don't care about sermons. Contrary to popular belief, the world is not clamoring for a sermon. Ask your friends at work. Just ask them. Say, my pastor said he would give you a free sermon. Would you like it? 
see what happens. Don't worry, my ego can take it. Do not email me the results, okay? I don't want any... My friend said that you could do this with your sermon. No, I don't want any of that, okay? The, the point is, for a person with a hungry, seeking heart, yeah, a sermon will make a difference. The Word of God, you communicating a message. For everybody else, love is powerful. And it really can melt a heart that is hard. See, we're called to share God's heart of love. Remember, God's call for us is always rooted in God's heart for people. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called A Father's Heart. It's in the series called Here Am I, Send Me, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message of Father's Heart. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Second thing, we're called to share the hope of redemption. We're called to share the hope of redemption. Look at verse 16 and 17 again of the 2 Corinthians 5 passage. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We read that before I pointed out that is far more radical than we think. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Look, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. You have no idea how, much, how, how beautiful and how that is such good news to some people. What Paul is saying is we don't see people through their worldly identity anymore. And while that may be true, just understand, they do. They do. You see, they've had labels put on them their whole life. One of the biggest hang-ups for people coming to Christ is the old labels. They've had people name them, and it hasn't been pretty. Their track record has created a reputation, an image, a label. And even though we are called to be the ones who don't label them anymore by those old things, we don't know them by their old self. It's very hard for some people to let go of that. Let me tell you, when you're the one who comes along and says, you don't have to be that anymore. In Christ, you're a new creation. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've hurt. You don't know how I've screwed things up. You don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter. In Christ, you're a new creation. You become the person that God intended for you to be, the one he created you to be. We get to be the people who say, that old man, that old stuff, 
it doesn't get to define you. He wants to define you by His love, by His investment in you, by that piece of His Spirit that He wants to deposit in you. That's a game changer. We don't see people through their worldly identity anymore. And for some people, that absolutely sets them free. Who do you need to see differently? Because we all have people in our lives that it's kind of tough. It's like in some ways, maybe even we've given up hope a little bit on them. Not theologically. We know there's hope for everybody, right? Theologically. But I'm just saying relationally and in life, it's just like so many times, so many disappointments, so many failures, that we're having a hard time thinking that they can be a new creation in Christ. Who do you need to see through the eyes of redemption? One of the most well-known and beautiful stories in the Scripture in Luke chapter 15. story of the prodigal son. Man had two sons, and the younger one comes to him and says, give me my share of the inheritance. Dad's not even dead yet, and he wants the inheritance. Some of you are like, yeah, if I would ask my dad that, I know what he'd tell me about that. Somebody would have been dead after that. Somebody. Not him. Somebody. But his dad says yes, and he distributes the inheritance. Well, this boy goes and he squanders it on wild living. I mean, the scripture actually later on tells us prostitutes and just drunkenness and parties, and he squanders it. And then the story goes, he begins to reap what he sowed, poverty and hunger. And there's something, I think, inside of many of us that says, well, serves them right. You reap what you sow. What goes around comes around, you know? But one day, he's so poor, so hungry, he comes to his senses, and he goes home, and he, he practices this little speech. Because he says, even my father's servants are doing better than this. And he says, so I'll say to my father, Father, I've sinned. I'm not worthy to be your son. Just make me one of your servants. And so he's got this little speech. And we pick up at verse 20. Scripture says, so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Doesn't sound like father's sitting there ready to say, well, you got what you deserved. This represents the father heart of God. Threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, his little speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You remember, the speech had one more part. Just make me like one of your servants. Yeah, his father didn't even let him finish. His little speech. Waste of a good speech. His father didn't even address his little speech. Like, no, son, don't say that. Nothing. His father just said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And so they began to celebrate. And they began to have a big party. I don't think that's what the prodigal expected. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother's come home, he replied, and your father's killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, You're always with me, and everything I have is yours. If you remember the story, interesting note, 
and you kind of can breeze right over it. Father, when the, he gave the younger son his, what the scripture says, what Jesus tells in the story is he distributed his wealth among the two boys. It's like this older son had an inheritance and he never understood, he never received it. This isn't the story of one inheritance lost. It's the story of two inheritance lost. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. It's such a beautiful story of redemption. Such an incredible and winsome display of our God's heart. And every prodigal, that story is really, really good news. But what's interesting is it wasn't really told to the prodigals. There's a huge, significant detail in this story. And if you miss it, you miss the whole point of the story. See, it's the detail of who Jesus was telling the story to. Remember, this is one of three parables that Jesus told. Look at Luke 15, 1 through 3. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Who's them? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. In other words, the religious people. This story shouldn't be called the story of the prodigal son. This story was the story of the judgmental brother. This story was for the, quote, righteous, the religious, the church people who couldn't ever let someone get past their sin, who always labeled them and had this us versus them kind of mindset. When anyone who understood the message of Jesus at all understood there is no us in them, there's just us. People who are lost in sin and whose sin has deserved a death penalty for them. That's us. And that's, Jesus told the story to the religious people. See, we need to be people who share the hope of redemption because Jesus can save anyone. There is no prodigal, no matter how far, no lost, no matter how lost they may seem, there's no one who is outside of his ability to redeem. Jesus can save anyone. See, God's call is always rooted in God's heart for people. Last thing, we are called to carry the message of reconciliation. I love that. I love that phrase. Look at what Paul said, verses 18 through 20. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the message of reconciliation. Come home, father's not mad. Can you imagine how this story would have played if that older brother's response would have been going from village to village looking for his younger brother? Looking for an opportunity to say, come home, father's father's not mad. He loves you. He wants you to come home. See, that's the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we're called to. We get to tell lost people. I don't care how far away, how lost, how broken. We get to tell them, come home. Father's not mad. He loves you. Jesus Christ made a way possible for our sins to be forgiven, for all of us to be set free. Come home. God's call 
is always rooted in God's heart for people. And his heart is that people would be forgiven and set free. Every one of us knows people who are in bondage. And they may lash out at us, but we understand there is a guilt, there is a hurt, there is a hole eating them up on the inside. God wants us to be the ones who say, Father loves you. He wants you to come home. There's room at the table for everybody. God's call is always rooted in God's heart for people. And I think one of the things we have to do is we better make sure we get God's heart. I think the prophet, after all that he'd experienced, and the first words God says is, who will I send? Who will go for us? I think he got a glimpse of God's heart. Have we? We can get all locked up and tied up in a lot of different things in our Christian faith. But at the core, we better remember, we have a father who loves people. And not just the ones in this room. He loves the people who aren't here yet. And as much as worship matters and Bible study matters and growing up in our faith matters and all those are critically important, we better remember what's on the heart of our Father is that others would be able to come and come home and live life in the family. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series that's called, called, Here Am I, Send Me, available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.